from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. We had a couple of more minutes to them because they're frozen, mm-hmm. but who cares? I feel like we're all going to be having cookies that go straight from the oh. freezer into the toaster oven. Every night we're going to be That's eating right. cookies. Cookies, and they're wonderful. 454 is a pound, then you just have to you just have to add a little. Says a pinch of this and a pinch of that. <laughs> oh my. They don't get a whole bunch of respect. The hierarchy of the lowest rung of baking and pastry. I'm Sarah Fenske. Anyone can follow a basic cookie recipe, but a few special tips and tricks can take a cookie from ordinary to sublime. It can also save you money. Helen Fletcher has those tips, and she's ready to share them. She is a self-taught baker who owned her own bakery, Truffles Inc., for 23 years. She has also made desserts for one of St. Louis's top restaurants, Tony's, for three decades, the last 11 as its pastry chef. She recently released a cookbook, Craving Cookies, the Quintessential American cookie book. And did I mention she's doing all of this at age 82? <laughs> Let's just say we should take any tips that she's willing to give us for cookies or for life. And she joins us now. Helen Fletcher, welcome. Thank you so much. It is such a treat to have you here with us today. And I got to say, you brought some treats yes. with you. I can't even focus. I, they smell so delicious. I'm just sitting here staring at these beautiful cookies. And they're so easy to make. They really They don't you know, look easy, Helen. Oh, they are. Like like the square ones. Those are made in a nine by thirteen inch pan. You just cut them up. So how, it doesn't get any easier than that. So you make <laughs> it sound all so simple. Tell me, how did you learn how to start baking? Well, my mother and my, uh, my parents were from Europe. And mother and grandmother were superb bakers mm. as well as cooks. But I didn't much care. I followed my brother around, and I was a tomboy. And so instead of being in the kitchen with my mother and grandmother, I was out. I was was the star kicker on my brother's football team. Oh, my. Because I was too small to be anything else. I was going to say, you're not a huge person here. No, and at that time, I was really, really, really teeny, and you could blow on on me, and I would fall over. But I could kick. And so I didn't pay any attention. But after... I got married, Sarah. We like to entertain. Well, if you entertain, what do you have to do? You got to give somebody something to eat. Yeah. And so I went back to my mother and grandmother and asked them if they would teach me. And so they shared some of the things with me. And then what I found is that I liked the baking maybe because of the precision of it, mm-hmm. because my father was a pharmacist. And so I think I'm a real good mix between my my mother, who is very creative, and my father, who is very, you know, Yeah, I mean, precise. with a pharmacist, you have to be so precise. Oh, absolutely. You could cause serious damage if not. That's right. Is that how we should also think about baking? Like, we need to, you know, get everything just so. No. Oh. that that's, That is a misconception. I mean, it's not like cooking. It's like you can't just, like, if you get too much salt in a soup, you could put a potato in, and it'll draw out the salt. Yeah. If you forget the baking powder, you're pretty much messed up. You can just this is pitch a that. Yes, you yeah. can pitch that, and you can start all over again. But in the in the main, okay, like, I use, I personally use grams. The book is written with volume 
grams and ounces. The reason I use grams is because you don't have to round them off. I mean, not, not round them off, but you don't have decimal points. Like, like you don't have thirds, you don't have halves. You have a hundred grams. Yeah, hundred grams is is um, three and a half ounces. And so, for a baker doing large quantities, like I imagine you have in your life, that that's easier. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And one of the things since I started writing was to push scales. Because if you use a scale, particularly with flour, mm-hmm. Sarah, flour, they say, oh, it's already sifted. Well, yeah, it was when it left the factory. Right. But if you've got the five or ten pounds that is at the bottom of a pallet that has lots of five or ten pounds, it's not going to, it'll be compact. And so it doesn't matter how carefully I'm filling my measuring cup and, and leveling no, off. No. I, I could get the wrong dose of flour. Yes, yes. And so if I use a scale, that, that prevents that mistake. Absolutely, because even if, okay, say, say people say, okay, just stir your flour. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're an, a real energetic stirrer, okay, <laughs> you're going really, to yeah. fluff it up too much, and it'll be too little flour. If you're not a very good stirrer, then it's going to be more compact, and you'll have too much flour. But... A cup of all-purpose flour is 140 grams. Mm-hmm. 140 grams or five ounces is always 140 grams. You can grams trust that. Five ounces. You don't care. You don't have to fluff. You don't have to stir. You don't have to worry about anything. So that's why in the book, I give you everything, but I recommend that you weigh. So then you have consistency. I was going to say, a lot of cookbooks don't give you that option. You've got that option yep. here in this cookbook. Absolutely. So you can do, do it any way you want to do it, but do it with a scale. So <laughs> that is a great tip from our guest today. That is Helen Fletcher, who's the pastry chef at Tony's, as well as a proficient mm-hmm. baker. And we're interested to hear your baking tips. I'm going to open the phone lines here. And you know what? If you have a question for Helen, I have a feeling yes. Helen knows the answer, and she's going <laughs> to give some on-the-spot baking <laughs> advice. So we're at 314 382 8255. That's 382 Talk. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. We also asked in advance for some of your tips and tricks. We got a couple of of interesting ones I'm going to play now. Uh, Linda from Washington, Missouri shared this. My family's favorite is uh, sugar cookies made with whole wheat flour and grated orange peel. And so uh, hearing Linda talk about grated orange peel, is that something that you have much use for in your, your baking? Can citrus peel be a, a good ingredient? A citrus peel is a marvelous ingredient because you've got the oil from, that's what really flavors it. So when you grate that peel, and I, by using a microplaner, which is a real fine grater, you can get it real fine, um, it gives you so much flavor. But orange, lemon, even lime. I do, a, in the book, I have a cookie called Lime Aways, where you use a lot of lime zest. The one thing you have to be careful of is to get only the colored part off. Don't go underneath where it's white. Yeah. That's very bitter. That's the pith. And it's very, very bitter. So you just want to take it off. You just want to take the colored part off. So I want to like lightly. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. That's a, it's a great tip that came out of Linda's tip. So it's not just grated orange peels that you want to barely skim the surface yeah, of yeah. that orange. You just want to take off the colored part. That's exactly. It. So here's another. This great tip from Madonna of Crestwood. I feel like this is a tip that even a baker like me could actually deploy. When I make my double chocolate chocolate chip cookies which are really just brownies in cookie form, 
I use a spring action cookie scoop, which forms lovely little domed scoops of dough. I scoop out the dough, place them on a parchment paper lined baking sheet, and put the whole sheet in the freezer. Then once they've frozen, I peel them off the paper, put them in a zippy bag, and put them back in the freezer. Each evening, I put several on a little baking sheet, pop them in the toaster oven, they bake while we eat dinner. Voila, fresh from the oven, cookies for dessert. This discovery has been both wonderful and a really bad idea. <laughs> and that yes. is Madonna from Crestwood. Yes. I love this wonderful, really bad idea. Oh, it is because I keep them all, so I do the same thing. I keep several different kinds of cookies in the freezer. And then if because there's only the two of us now, the children are on their own, they're mm-hmm. far away. And so sometimes you just get a hankering for a cookie. And so I can go in and just pull out one of the cookies, put it in the oven for a few minutes, and there's nothing as good as a warm chocolate chip cookie. So uh, these days, I feel like we're pushing so much that you don't want frozen food. You want everything to be no. fresh. Does that also apply to cookie dough? Okay. The, the, the thing is, especially in baking, especially with any food, it's not so much the freezing of it. It's how you do it. Mm. Okay? That's what's important. You can't just... You need to make sure that you've got them wrapped well so that they're protected, preferably like in an airtight container. Then they don't get freezer burned. And you can't leave them in there forever. Nobody says, I mean, you know, you can leave a cookie in the in, in an airtight container in a freezer for a month or so. But if you're going to go after it for six months or a year, it's not going to be very good. So it's time and it's how you do it. And this idea of wrapping it, do you wrap it in something and then put it in the airtight container? Or an airtight container is good enough? Well, what I usually do is... I do the same thing that she did, which is drop them, mm-hmm. you know, freeze them. Then I put them in a plastic bag, uh, put a baggy tie around the plastic bag, then put them inside of the pla- of the airtight container. Then you've got them really well protected. I love this tip. I feel like we're all going to be having cookies that go straight from the oh. freezer into the toaster oven. Every night we're going to be That's eating right. cookies. Cookies, and they're wonderful. And you have to add a couple of more minutes to them because they're frozen. Mm-hmm. But who cares? I mean, you know, just, they're wonderful. So, Helen, we're talking about cookies. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on cookies because I feel like cookies don't always get the respect that they, they don't. deserve. We think of them as maybe like, oh, this is like a kid dessert and you grow up from there. Yeah. Is that fair? It's not fair. And the way I look, <laughs> okay, when I wrote the book, the cookie, cookie books, you're right, they don't get a lot of respect, mm-hmm. okay? Because they're like on the, as there's rungs, the These hierarchy like on of the ra- lowest rung of baking and pastry, but it's but they're so easy and they're a great way to get into it. And besides, they're just good. But no, um, as far as getting respect, they don't get a whole bunch of respect. But I think uh, one of the things that I like to do in the book is I wrote the book as I would any other book, mm-hmm. in that every piece, every ingredient is listed and talked about. The equipment you need is pictured, and then there's a whole technique section that you're going to use throughout the book. When I, a lot of the recipes, or many of the recipes, call for caramel. Mm-hmm. Well, I want you to make your caramel. There's a substitute, but make your own. Make your own is so much better. But if I can show you how to do that, if I can show you what you're looking for, 
then that applies to every recipe that uses caramel. And I don't have to keep repeating it over and over and over in the book. I do love, so this this book, it starts with this technique section. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for people who maybe feel a little bit nervous about their baking abilities, I'll admit I fall into this camp, <laughs> that it would probably be a good idea to just start by reading this it before would. you get into the recipes. There are so many smart ideas here. It would. And there's just a lot of things like... The crust. Remember I told you a 9 by 13 inch pan? Mm -hmm. Well, there's what are called press-in crusts. And what when you bake the crust, a lot of the cookies call for a pre-baked crust and then you put something on top of them. The crust will pull away from the side of the pans often. Well, if you're making a lemon bar that's very, very liquidy, what's going to happen is the lemon bar liquid stuff is going to go down along the side of the crust it's going to get under it it's going to be a mess you're not going to be able to get it out of the pan it's not going to be pretty but there's a trick you can do and it's called spooning and it's what we did and it's something i just came up with at the bakery when we made um when we made things with these crusts you take a spoon and you just run it across and you just seal it to the edge of the pan while it's hot and all you've mm. got to do is just run it along the edge and push, just push it a little bit, and it'll be per, it'll be perfectly sealed to the pan. So when you put your liquid on top of it, nothing's going to go under it. I love this idea. Yeah, and I call it spooning it. I don't know what else to call it so, because you use a spoon. But um, anyway, so that's in there also. But it just it's just a little tiny thing that can make it not so intimidating or. What I don't want is someone to make the lemon bars, have them be stuck to the pan. Mm -hmm. They get so frustrated. They don't know what to do. That's not going to help them bake anymore. Yeah. You want to encourage people. I want to encourage people. I want them to bake. I mean, homemade baked goods are the best. And they can't cut. And they're so far above what you can buy. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff you can buy. <laughs> but it's not as good. But it's not as good. There's a reason that yeah. a top restaurant like Tony's has somebody yeah. baking these things rather than yep. just purchasing it from the, exactly. the best place in the country. Exactly. They know it's better coming from you. Yep. So these techniques that you've learned, you mentioned you just kind of figured this out. Is most of, of what you've learned and what you're sharing in this book, are these things you've come through uh, by trial and error? Or have you also learned from experienced people? Oh, I've people? learned a lot. I've learned a lot from experienced people. I did a lot of research, a lot of reading. I also did go to community college for one year, way, way, way when it first started, but that was to find books that had, uh, I couldn't find, they don't have books like they do now on uh, baking science. I wanted to learn that because I didn't, I was having to do too much trial and error. I so you could know. like perfect your own that's recipes. That's right. So I could perfect things. And so that's one of the reasons why I went to school, but I only went for one year because after a year I figured out where to buy the books. <laughs> <laughs> they pointed you in uh, the right, right direction. Right. Saved you right. some time. <laughs> and they're in my library still. <laughs> We're talking today to Helen Fletcher. She is the longtime pastry chef at Tony's. Uh, she is 82 years old, I which I, I feel like is something just worthy of admiration. You're, you're still working. Oh, and I love it. Multiple I jobs love it. at multiple, 82. I have a blog. Uh, yeah, I have a blog. You have I a do book. Zoom classes. I write books. I do lots. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> well, if you have questions for Helen or if you have a baking tip you want to share, those phone lines are open. 314-382-8255. Again, 382-TALK. We got a question from Twitter from Marion um, responding to your suggestion that we should be weighing these ingredients yes. to use a scale. She wants to know what's the best scale to use i have tried several that don't provide true weight is there one that you swear by okay no i just go to walmart and get a cheap scale (laughs) 
Okay, a cheap but, scale can work, Marion. <laughs> but let me tell you how to test the scale. The problem is you need to test the scale to make sure it is on. Okay, go. just take a pound of butter and just stick a pound of butter on the scale. A pound of butter is a pound of butter. Because that should be perfectly weighed. Yep. And it'll be 454 grams or 16 ounces. And that way, if your scale says that, now, say your scale doesn't. Yeah, what do you do then? You either add or subtract. If, you're, if your scale says it's 450, and you know that 454 is a pound, then you just have to... You just have to add a little. See, I'm now seeing why I'm no good at baking. There's a lot of math that goes into this. I feel like your, your pharmacist genes that you got from your father, these are coming but, in handy. But the only thing I can do, Sarah, is add, subtract, multiple, multiply, and divide. Oh, that's all. Yeah, that's no, all. No trigonometry, my, no, though. No, no. And I was the embarrassment to, I was an embarrassment to my father and brother who could do all of this really complicated slide stuffy stuff in their heads because they were both engineers and all I can do is the four basic things. Well, but, but that's all I need. I, I, that's <laughs> all you need. Hey, speaking of your father, you, you mentioned a very charming thing in this book. Your father, uh, he wasn't just a pharmacist. He ran one of these old-fashioned soda, ca uh, soda oh, counters. Oh, yes. Yep. And so is this yep. where your sweet tooth came from, was maybe hanging out at the family business? <laughs> no, it was hanging out with my mother and my grandmother. Every Sunday, they would make phyllo, the real thin dough. Mm. And as a child, my job was to, it would dry out. The When they took the edges, the edges would be thick, and you had to take that off, and they'd take them off like this, and then some of it would fall on the floor. I had to sweep. That was my job. <laughs> they didn't have you baking. They had you cleaning. And then, oh, it was wonderful, because we'd have fresh apple strudel or some kind of strudel for dinner. Your mom must have been a wonderful baker. She was. I had, this was so exciting, I had croissant, I had chambre torte, I had all these wonderful things before America ever even heard of them. And your mother, you said, was from Europe. What what part of Europe? Yugoslavia. Okay, there's some yeah. good baking that goes on oh, there. Oh, there's wonderful baking that goes on there. And they were in the part of the country that had, that was, had the good cream, the butter, mm. the nuts. They had all of that there. My other grandmother was in the other part. She didn't make Not as Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to squeeze in a caller here. Um, Sandy is calling from Washington, Missouri with a question for you, Helen. Uh, Sandy, hi. You're on St. Louis on the Air. Thank you so much. Helen, I just heard your grandmother was from Yugoslavia. Uh, she was. My grandmother was from Croatia. Oh, and my father was from Croatia. I love oh, it. This, wow. this is such a great St. Louis story here. Eastern Europe represents. <laughs> yeah, so I I have a recipe for potitsa. Uh-huh. Uh, some people, I think in Yugoslavia, they call it povitica. Yes. But um, I have her recipe. Uh, she was, I think, an illegal immigrant many, 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 many <laughs> years ago. But... She didn't really measure anything, so my recipe says a pinch of this and a pinch of that, <laughs> oh my. about a cup of this. So I have made it, and it turned out wonderful, but it's not consistent. And I think my problem is the yeast. Okay. Talk to me about yeast. What do you know about baking potitsa? It's just... Are you doing the real thin dough that's rolled over and over and folded over on itself? Are you doing a basic uh, nut roll? A uh, basic nut roll. Oh, okay. So you're going to go to my blog, which is okay. www.pastrieslikeapro, and you're going to click in uh, the search box for 
I think it says nut rolls. I'm not quite sure. If it's not there, go to the recipe list. You'll find it. And it has three different kinds, and it'll solve your problems. Wonderful. <laughs> well, Sandy, I'm so glad we could we could so easily solve that. Thank you for calling in. This is uh, this has been a happy ending here today. Um, and and Sandy, maybe we'll get your email address as well, so we can send you Good. a link directly after the that show. That would be great. And Helen, unfortunately, we are almost out of time here. We have time for possibly just one last question. And people may notice a theme uh, throughout. I keep asking, how does a novice baker get started with this? What would you suggest is maybe the easiest cookie in this this wonderful cookbook to start with? If somebody just wants to just ease in um let's see the easiest cookie they're all easy they're all easy okay so what's the best what's the one that you would love to eat oh, right now okay okay there is a cookie that i absolutely adore and it's easy you're, you're singing okay. to the choir here. And, but it's not sweet. It's a savory shortbread. This sounds perfect. And it's cheddar pecan shortbreads, and they have a little bit of a kick because you use cayenne pepper. And that's in this book. That is in the shortbread chapter, and that is something that I hide the tin so no one can eat it but me. Okay, I am sold. <laughs> this is what I am yeah. baking this holiday yeah. season. I'm going to check this out it's in the shortbread fantastic. chapter. Fantastic! It's so easy because you just mix up the dough, roll it into logs, and then slice it. I'm sold. Good, Helen Fletcher. Thank you so much for joining us today. <laughs> thank you. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr and production assistance from Jane Mather Glass. It was mixed and edited by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.